Welcome back for episode 111 of the Sports Gospel Show here on SportsGospel.com or wherever you found us. Darren and Andrew back on this week's episode after getting a week off. And with Andrew back, you know that that means we're going to talk a lot of NBA. So the meat of this week's show will be NBA free agency player movement. Have not had Andrew on since we did our NBA mock draft. So have to see how we did there and what he thinks of the draft. Before we get into that, we'll have a couple quick hitter topics I want to get to. Uh, happy 4th of July week, everybody. Recording this on the heels of Independence Day. Hope everybody had good time with family and friends and enjoyed the summer barbecue season. Uh, in honor of Joey Chestnut, if I gave you 10 minutes, how many hot dogs could you eat with bun? With bun? Uh, 10 minutes? Uh, five or six, maybe. I think that's that's what's impressive. What did Joey Chestnut? He was over sixty. I think he's just like a given that he gets over sixty now. And uh, Mickey Sudo, Mickey Sudo, the women's winner. I think she did about forty. I'm yeah. W- without a bun, you gave me ten minutes, and I was just like trying to go for money. I think I could get ten actual hot dogs. It's the buns that that are going to slow me down. Yeah, the buns will slow me down too, and. You know, I like a hot dog at a baseball game, but I don't like eating hot dogs just for the sake of eating hot dogs. Correct. So I would not, uh, I would not do very well in a hot dog eating competition. Now, pizza eating competition, Ooh. completely different story. Uh, I'm there, and I'm gonna kick butt. But no, doesn't matter what the toppings are because I feel like a straight cheese pizza, or if you're gonna go get a taco pizza from Casey's, you're in a different situation. Uh, no, it has to be just like a pepperoni pizza. It's got to be something standard like pepperoni or just straight up cheese. Or we're talking single topping only if it's an eating competition. Yeah, I like the pizza. I I think ice cream is where I would clean up, but I like where you're at with the ice cream or with pizza. Yeah, I'm I'm there on pizza, but not anything else really in terms of competition. Yeah, I ten minutes hot dog with bun. I think if I really was trying to win money, I think I could get to eight or ten and then feel disgusting afterwards. Um, but yeah, a, a hot dog is not a rush. I want to sit down. I want to put toppings on it. I want to enjoy it. Uh, I think I would do better with the nine, uh, beers, nine hot dogs and nine innings challenge than oh. how many hot dogs I could eat in 10 minutes. I feel like I could do that before, uh, I could eat a bunch of hot dogs in 10 minutes. Anyways, carry on. <laughs> uh, are you, are you an anti ketchup hot dog person? I am pro ketchup, pro mustard. I recently came around on relish. I'm still not big on sauerkraut, but I'm not one of these. I don't, I don't gatekeep hot dogs about the ketchup. Uh, I don't necessarily gatekeep hot dogs about the ketchup, but as I've grown older, I've come to know that Chicago dogs are the superior hot dog and you do not put ketchup on those. That's where you layer in your peppers and your onions, uh, maybe a little bit of sauerkraut, a little bit of relish, you know, in there, uh, but you don't need any mustard or ketchup to make a good hot dog. What you need is some good peppers and onions layered in your Chicago dog. Are you a Brewers fan at all? Do you care about the Brewers for baseball? I do not care about the Brewers. I'm a Cubs fan. Ooh. But... I've been to Wrigley several times, and if you step inside either Wrigley or I, I don't even know the name of the White Sox ballpark, and you put there's not even ketchup there, I don't think, because it's it's such a taboo thing to put ketchup on a hot dog there. But that I feel like Milwaukee should be the king of the assorted meats in a tube area with the 
was it they just call it the hot dog race or the wiener race? What's the thing that the brewers do? Where it's like I have, the bratwurst versus no a hot dog versus a something. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure about the brewers and what they do, but all I know is Chicago dogs and it's the superior <laughs> hot dog, the superior way to have it. I don't necessarily gatekeep, but if you're putting ketchup on hot dogs, you're not you're not getting the best hot dog out there. I I've told many people this story. I was at a barbecue, kind of a camping weekend with some friends, and a friend of a friend brought their children, and they were just giving these four-year-old children like uncooked hot dogs, which I'm not like saying don't give kids hot dogs. I've never I've just never seen a human being eat an uncooked hot dog, and I was it was the most revolting thing I'd ever seen. I'll I'll eat an Oscar Mayer hot dog. I'm willing to be white trash, but you gotta cook that thing first. I mean, yeah, you gotta cook it first, but Darren, it just sounds like we need to get you to Wrigley Field and have you have a Chicago dog, and then you'll just change your mind about everything. You know, I tried to go last year. I was in Chicago for work, had had a free night, went up to Wrigleyville, walked up to the stadium. They were playing some nobody, and they're like, oh, all kinds of tickets are for sale. It's like, oh, can I buy a ticket? Like, oh, do you have the app? I was like, no. Like, oh, you have to download the app, and then you can buy your ticket on there. I was like, I'm here at the window. I have cash in my hand. Can I give it to you and get a ticket? Like, no, you have to go through the app process, so... Screw you, modern sports and attending with I just I want to I want to give you cash for a ticket. And if you're not going to let me do that. So then I got sad, went to the bar and bought like a $14 beer and watched on the big screen. Rick was fantastic, by the way, if you haven't been people out there listening. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess if you can't make it to the game, the best way to go is to go hang out at Murphy's Murphy's and uh, go from there. Well, since we're talking about baseball, let's stay right here and talk about the All-Star Game. It is uh, the next week or so is All-Star Festivities. Uh, We did our All-Star Drafts last week, kind of did the fun little change of pace where you can only have one person from each team. Kind of took away some of the celebration from the Texas Rangers, though. So our quick roster starters here, and we do have some changes that will be coming to this by virtue of everybody on the Angels being injured. But your AL starters, a nice mixture of veterans, guys you know, like Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Randy Rosarina. And then some young guys that you don't really know a lot about. Names we haven't heard. Jonah Heim, the catcher for the Rangers. Yandy Diaz, first baseman from the Rays. And Josh Jung, third baseman from the Rangers. So we wonder how the Rangers are having this surprise season leading the AL West. It's this mixture of guys you don't know as well. And then kind of career renaissances for Marcus Semien and Corey Seager. I kind of completely forgot Corey Seager was out there. Now he's the all-star shortstop. So both the AL and the NL kind of have the same situation going on over in the NL. Freddie Freeman, Nolan Arenado, Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, guys you know, and then some more of the guys who are just coming into their prime. Sean Murphy, Luis Arise is the best hitter in baseball right now, and Corbin Carroll for the Diamondbacks. So you get it's, it's a good celebration. I I don't always love that Major League Baseball has their all-star game in the middle of the season instead of at the end, but it does give you an opportunity to shine some of these guys who are having great first halves who we may not otherwise get to see. Your average fan is not going to know Josh Jung or Corbin Carroll, and they're going to get some attention that they deserve on All-Star Night. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Do we have the full list of NL starters? Yeah, so that uh, Sean Murphy catching Freddie Freeman's at first, Luis Arise is second, Orlando Arcia, shortstop, Nolan Arenado at third, and then your outfielders are Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Corbin Carroll, and J.D. Martinez is DHing. I don't have the pitchers in front of me at the moment. So we're missing Christopher Morrell somehow. Who? Uh, Cubs. 
player who uh, got called up from Triple A Iowa and oh nice hit like hit like sixteen or seventeen home runs in like twenty some games. Isn't the forty uh, some games now? But like he the... leads the Cubs in home runs and he hasn't played m- most of the season. So if I'm correct, the MLB All Star Game does at least have one guy from every team. It's see MLB.com. Give the full rosters for me. There's the ALs, and then our NL. We've got the Cod, Dansby Swanson representing the Cubbies, and Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman. Hmm. Big miss. Big miss (laughs) by uh, Major League Baseball leaving Morrell out next year. But no, there's there's a lot of good guys here, and again, I'm pretty sure every team gets a guy on. I could be wrong about that. Um, but a, yeah, look at the bench. A lot of good guys in the NL. Good rotation with Zach Gallon, my guy Marcus Stroman leading the way. Um, but Juan Soto, Jorge Soler, Pete Alonso, Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley. A lot of Braves. Not all that surprising. A lot of them on the relief. Former, former Braves, too, with Dansby. Yeah, current and former Braves. Kind of explains why they've been the best team not named the Astros for the last five years. Uh, Felix yeah. Bautista, Kenley Jansen over on the AL side pitching, George Kirby, uh, Shane McClanahan, Kevin Gosman, who's my maybe my favorite pitcher, uh, Shohei's all-star and everything, Garrett Cole. Um, and then on the bench for the AL, Salvador Perez. I know you're you're a Chicago guy, but Salvi, kind of cool to see him having a career renaissance with the Royals. Adley Rutschman, Vlad Guerrero, Whit Merrifield, Bo Bichette, Jose Ramirez, Luis Robert, uh, Jordan Alvarez. So a lot of great names and great talents. If you're not really in on Major League Baseball, you're going to, as, as you would expect in the All-Star game, but really seeing the best of the best and a lot of big stars of today and tomorrow out there. Um, we don't need uh, we don't need any Royals or A's representatives in this year's All-Star game. Just given the state of those teams, like they should have their rights revoked. Oakland, see, this is why I'm convinced every team gets to be on here, because Brent Rooker, the DH for the A's, is on. Oh, man. Like Detroit has a pitcher. Um, but I can see that, because I believe Detroit's pitcher is uh, Rodriguez. Uh, they have, yeah, Michael Lorenzen is the guy they have. I have not Lorenzen, watched the end of Tigers Lorenzen. baseball. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but, yeah. We don't need to have every team have one representative when, uh, you know, the A's are clearly tanking and trying to win, you know, like 30 games maximum this year. The Nationals have a player on here. The Royals have a player. I know they've gotten hot since Ellie De La Cruz came on, but Cincinnati has a player on here. Pittsburgh has a player. Pittsburgh has two guys. Colorado has a guy. Cincinnati is deserving of multiple players. I mean, they're right in the thick of it to win the NL Central. Yeah, they're. I think they're leading as of today. It just came out of nowhere yep. as soon as they lit that match with Ellie De La Cruz coming in. Yeah, they lit that match with him coming in, but uh, the team around him is actually a decent team as well. Right. be fun to watch. I don't have the MLB standings in front of me, but the second half is going to be really interesting with can Tampa Bay and Baltimore hold on? The Central's kind of all bad, but can the Twins hold that? And then the Rangers, so your AL could be all kinds of topsy-turvy. Over in the National League, Miami looks good. Cincinnati getting really good. And the NL Central, that's also not great, but you kind of expected Milwaukee to be the leaders there. 
and then Arizona. So plenty of surprising teams at the top and surprising teams on the opposite end as well. Yeah, I think I'm all in on like a Baltimore uh, Cincinnati World Series. <laughs> the Major League Baseball may not be, but that's I agree with you. Those are the kind of finals I like. I just don't want Dodgers, Astros, Yankees every single year. Give me give me fun random teams. Yeah, I mean, it'll probably be the National League representative. I'd be surprised if it's not Atlanta, just given the way that they've looked. And I'm totally fine with that because they're more than deserving. Now, the Home Run Derby, talk about that here quick. I feel like they change this every year. I never quite know what's going on with it, but we appear to have a bracket this year. So we've got it's eight guys. So Luis Robert, the one seed for the White Sox, versus eight seed Adley Rutschman from the Tigers. Pete Alonso from the Mets versus Julio Rodriguez from the Mariners, which Rodriguez is their biggest star. He's the future, and it's great to see him on there just as the hometown guy. Mookie Betts at the three versus Vlad Jr. the six. Adolis Garcia, I believe, from the Rangers at the four. And Randy Rosarina from the uh, Rays at the five. So of those eight, if you're uh, being a gambler, anybody you want to put money on? Uh, the hometown guy. Julio? Julio, yeah. The hometown guy. And if there's a way you can pick Adley to beat Robert, I'll take Adley to beat Robert. Oh, where's our bracket here? Because I believe Adley would face Robert in the first round. One versus eight. Yeah, yeah, they'd be the upside. And Rutschman's an Oregon guy, so he's you know playing three to four hours from home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, give me Julio to win it all. Uh, I'm not sure where he is on the list of favorites. I think he might, you know, be the third favorite. Probably seems about right. Haven't looked, but seems about right. Um, so give me Julio. Anything else on the Major League Baseball front? I'd, I'm going to go Pete Alonso just because he's Pete Alonso. It'd be fun to see Julio Rodriguez get it. And I'm always going to be a Vlad Jr. fan. Uh, but Pete Alonso feels like my guy for this year. Yeah, I don't know. And I, I don't, I feel like. Um, it's a little bit like the NBA dunk contest where we don't have all the right guys in here. We should have Shohei, Shohei in here. We should have uh, Acuna in here. Um, you know, who else is up there in home runs right now? Uh, so I think I think Alonzo and Luis Robert are the top two in the majors. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but I was going to go the no. other way. I kind of like this lineup of you know, other than Trout and Otani, there's not a lot of other bigger names. It's a whole other issue with baseball and their promotions. Uh, number one is Otani with 31 and Matt Olson with 29 and then Alonzo and Robert with 25. And we're missing guys like Schwarber or Soler or Acuna. Um, if Judge was healthy, we would want Judge in there. Right. Yeah. So if, if Judge and Stanton were both healthy and being good, I get that. And Trout's not healthy either. But um, we should give a nod to a guy like Matt Olson if we're not going to put Acuna in, right? Because he's got 29. So 
I don't know. I think I think Vlad Jr. is maybe a little out of place in this competition here. Rosarena too. Like I think those are maybe bigger names, but not really producing. So some I would of us be a fan of different different guys is what I'm saying. Some of us love the Toronto Blue Jays now, so they can do whatever they want. Go Vlad. Vlad can play in the NBA dunk contest for all I care. Okay. Um, How do I'm we get that? With can, you. can we? Can you make some calls and invent that? Let's have the like the All Stars. I guess the NBA kind of does this with their celebrity game. Let's get let's get some hockey players, as baseball players, and basketball players all trading sports, playing each other's like all All Star skills competitions. Well, I was just thinking, you know, the home run derby could be just current, former, and almost Chicago Cubs. <laughs> That'd be Shohei. That'd be Soler, Schwarber, uh, Morell. Chris Bryant's Swanson, still running around, isn't he? Swanson, Bryce Harper. Almost Bryce Harper fits in the almost Cub category. Uh, yeah, I think I think that would almost do it for the home run competition. I forget about Schwarber, and then he'll pop up and crush three home runs in one game. Absolutely. Castellanos, same way. A Contreras brother or two? Uh, yeah, both of them. Nah, we don't. we don't really need to hear from Wilson anymore. <laughs> well, that is, NBA, that is the NBA, NBA, MLB All-Star Week celebrations. A couple of activities leading up this weekend, and then... The game, big game, I believe on the night of July 11th. I'm going to pick the National League. I know it's in an AL park, but I'm just going to put my $1 bet on the NL. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All those Braves players on the roster, then potentially having the one seed and having a legitimate shot at making the World Series. Yeah, I think the NL will win as well. Uh, speaking of betting, a couple topics here. We'll get to the UFC in a minute. And maybe you've been more tied into this. I'm just going to throw it out there. If you haven't, we can move on. But college betting, the soap opera seems to keep continuing. I've not really been dialed into it. I just know there's something happening because it is the NCAA, which means it's going to be a mess and take a lot longer. It's going to be reactive before it's proactive. But is there anything newsworthy and noteworthy and discussion worthy we need to get into with some of the rules they changed this week? Um, I mean, it. I will say that it's not the best, um, but they did clarify things for go forward for what happens in every scenario. And I do like the clarity that the NCAA handed down when it comes to being an athlete and betting on sports. Um, basically, if you're not betting on college sports at your own school, including your own sport, you're mostly fine. Like the most you could get in that scenario where like you're say you're betting on NBA or Major League Baseball or UFC or something and you're a college athlete, you're not going to be in uh, a whole world of trouble if you're betting on something like that, unless you're betting exorbitant amounts, which I guess you could. 
if you're making plenty of NIL money, you're then probably looking at like 30% of the season, which in football equates to like four games in basketball. I'd have to do the math, but um, you're not missing, you know, the real heart of your season at that point in time. And that's what I didn't get. Who cares if Spencer Rattler is out there betting on, UFC or Major League Baseball or Caitlin Clark wants to throw down some bets on NFL games that I don't care about. I I get not betting on your sport. So as long as Caitlin Clark is not betting on Iowa Hawkeye basketball, I that's yes, I understand why that's an issue. And that's the big penalty. Correct that you bet on your own sport. You're just done. Like if they caught Caitlin Clark, she would just be done with college basketball. Yeah. Yeah, if if you're betting on your own sport, on your own team to win or lose, it doesn't matter. You're done. So, and I but if that. you're betting on a, another team at your school, like Caitlin bets on the Iowa football team to win the Big Ten West, you know, she's probably out a year. Interesting. Not not done, but she's out a year. And the way they have the reason they have it like that is because athletes at those schools know each other. They talk. Right. You know, you could have inside information that could give you an unfair advantage, that sort of thing. So I think they prepared, they've they've given some clarity, but I'm with you. I don't really care if a college athlete wants to bet on NBA games or UFC fights or NFL games or whatever. If they if they don't have if there's no way that they could possibly know something that would impact the outcome before the general public does then I think it's fine. They're I agree. free to do what they want. They're adults. They've turned 18. They can they can smoke cigarettes. They can drink alcohol. Yeah. I heard, I heard sports. somebody who is international who I was talking to about U.S. laws, and they said, if you can go fight and die for your country, why can't you do this, this, and this? Talking about gambling, smoking, drinking. I was like, that's a really good point. It's like, take 18-year-olds and put a military rifle in their hands, but they can't have a can of bush light. It's like, yeah, it's it's does not make any sense. I was like, you're absolutely correct. But so, yeah, I think let them do their own thing as long as they're not compromising their own sport and their own game. There we go. College athletes are just going to start ripping cigs on campus <laughs> because they can, and they won't get in trouble for that. But, uh, or vaping, I guess kids are into vaping now. Ugh. Yeah. Not, not a habit that I picked up by any means, but I guess you can do that and not get in trouble. But right. if you want to throw down $200 on a NBA game, you're done for at least four games. Well, let's give them something to bet on here with our betting knowledge. Yeah, UFC 290 coming up this weekend. UFC always does fantastic cards around the 4th of July, and they've got a huge one here. UFC 290, the headline bout is the featherweight title unification, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez, the interim champion. On UFC's website, they don't have odds for this one yet, but I have to assume Volkanovsky is going to be the champion or the betting favorite here. Um I don't know how in-depth we want to get on these, but I'll just go Volkanovsky to unify the titles and become the undisputed king of the featherweights. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at ESPN. Volkanovsky is minus 370. I think that's a DraftKings tie-in. So give me a, yeah, Volkanovsky in this one. 
So Alexander the Great, as we call him, the Australian, was rolling through everybody, got the belt, and then held on to it. Finally, kind of cemented his legacy over Max Holloway with back-to-back wins. Got taken down by Islam Makachev. So it's kind of a fight back to the top for Volkanovski, but I'll go with you there and take him. The next one, the flyweight title, Brandon Moreno after a bit of an odyssey here. So 125 is the smallest UFC weight class. Uh, Brandon Moreno finally has clinched that one. Uh, long saga with Davison Figueredo. I don't have time to get into that right now, but he's taking on Alexandre Pantoya. Apologies for the Brazilian name. I apologize if I mispronounced that. Moreno here on the UFC website, a minus 195, and I hope feel pretty safe in picking him in this one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to go the minor upset here and take Pantoya. I need to learn more about this Pantoya fellow. He's the number two ranked guy right now, but I don't know enough, don't know enough about his history. I don't. And I think the unknown will help him plus plus one seventy five. Um, not, a major upset in my eyes. Um, obviously would be taking the title belt, but give me Pantoya. And then we get to the fight that I am most excited about, that I am ready to win some money. Robert Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles versus Drickus Duplessis, who I love the name. I'm sure I say it wrong every time. Middleweight bout here, but Whitaker, the number two versus Duplessis, the South African number five. Whitaker is a minus 410 favorite, uh, plus 310 on Duplessis. And I do not know where this is coming from that people love Robert Whitaker. Again, something that we don't really have time to get into, but if you want some UFC reading, go try to follow the odyssey of Whitaker winning the middleweight title and losing it and people missing weight and it just becoming chaos. He has done quite well in his last couple of fights against people not named Israel Adesanya. Really, his last 10, Adesanya is the only guy who's been able to handle him. But Duplessis has been on the rise here. Big fan. He's won seven in a row, I think. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, seven in a row. And just kind of doing doing the thing, working his way up, taking out Brad Tavares, then Darren Till. Then you get a little bit better up to Derek Brunson. I just... I'm scared to ever put money on Whitaker after a couple of bad experiences. So give me this huge plus 310 upset. I'm ready to win some money. I think I'm with you. I think you talked me into it. So I think I'm taking Duplessis as well. And another one, I think I'm maybe laying upset here. Also, this fight is in Vegas. We've got a lot of... uh. Australian New Zealand, New Zealand influence here. Alexander Wilkonowski is Australian. Robert Whitaker is Australian. And now we get Dan Hooker uh, is from New Zealand. So I thought the fight may be off U.S. soil, but they are fighting in Vegas. Dan Hooker's guy came in with a lot of hype um, coming out um, in his UFC career. And he's kind of been mixed bag the last couple of fights. I think he picked up a couple wins early and then he's fallen by the wayside a little bit, but they're throwing everybody at him. He's getting Islam Makachev and Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. Bit of a gatekeeper, it feels like, in this division, but give me Dan Hooker over this young up-and-comer and Jalen Turner, guy who had won uh, five in a row, fell in his last fight in split decision. I, I could see this going the distance. I could see this being an absolute banger, but I'll take Dan Hooker here to get back on track. A bit of, bit of a coin toss pick for me, but I'll take Hooker. 
I don't really think so. I think Hooker's been in a lot of fights. Um, but that's really the only memorable thing about Hooker. I like Jalen Turner in this fight to win fairly comfortably. Ooh. So number 11 in Turner versus Hooker number 12. If UFC rankings mean anything to anybody. Not sure that they're much more than just a talking point. Either way, I expect it to be a show. Hooker fights are very rarely boring. That's true. That's true. It's not It's not going to be boring, but I think uh, Turner will handle business fairly easily there. And uh, the last one on the main card here that I want to get to, Bone Nickel, who we talked about a couple fights ago last time we brought up UFC. People are unfamiliar. He is a multi-time national champion from Penn State, probably one of the five best collegiate wrestlers in the last 20 years. Not a smart bet. He is a minus 1,300 favorite, which I didn't know odds could go that far. Val Woodburn, his opponent, is plus 750. So if you'd like a wild, crazy upset, you can go with Woodburn. But Bo Nickel is going to be the future at middleweight. I don't even know if he's ranked yet. He's still so new and so fresh, but the hype is real. Keep an eye on him to be a middleweight guy. Um, yeah, I don't see him on their official rankings. But get get on the Bo Nickel hype train while you can. Yeah, uh, if you're going to bet the Bo Nickel fight, bet for Bo Nickel to end it early. Ooh, there you go. Like round one early kind of end. Um, Could absolutely see that. Like I think uh, obviously with the wrestling background, Bo Nickel by submission in round one. I think that if you wanted to sprinkle a little bit of money on that, I would do it. So Bo Nichols only had four professional fights. He was basically handpicked after he was done with his wrestling career. Uh, he had, his last fight was his UFC debut at UFC 285 in March and won by submission triangle uh, triangle choke. He can probably hit, I would assume. I don't have the entire UFC roster in front of me, but I'd be hard-pressed to find a better wrestler in the UFC than a three-time NCAA national champion. I believe, is he an Olympic gold medalist? or a, He's won some... Blah, blah, blah. Trying to see yeah. what, is, what is world. So he was a world champion in 2019 in freestyle wrestling. So if if there's a nice little bet there to get him in a finish on the ground, I like Bo Nickel there because I, I can't think of a better wrestler than him in UFC. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was going was there's no better wrestler than him. Um, I see this Woodburn guy is also undefeated. So congrats to him, but he's just uh just another sacrificial lamb on Bo Nichols' rise to UFC stardom. Now it got me thinking, if he stays in middleweight, I would love to see him and John Jones, but I think Nickel would have to get quite a bit bigger, and Jones seems committed to being in the 250-plus club and not being closer to 200 now. But if we, if he stays the way he's going, if we get a Bo Nickel-Adesanya fight in like two or three years, Paulo Costa could be interesting. Trying to think who'd be next. Maybe Kelvin Gastelum next. Work his way up to Derek Brunson, Sean Strickland. There's there's some fun fights in there. Jared Cannonier. And oh yeah. Or if oh, or yeah. or if you were to drop down, he and Usman. Usman is another stud wrestler. Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington. There's some great wrestlers floating around that weight level. No, let's keep Bo Nickel at middleweight and let's see that. Um see him work his way up to John Jones if John Jones is still hanging around and Jeez. Four years. John Jones going to need to lose some weight. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but uh, you know he could do it. Yeah, so Nickel two uh, fights at one eighty five right now, so maybe we get a two hundred five somewhere along the line. 
some of the other fights on the card, Robbie Lawler, the ageless one still doing his thing. I think with our Iowa connections, we're almost required to pick him, but he's a plus 220 underdog against Nico Price, minus 260. I don't know I, uh, much about Price, but for the sake of Iowa and appreciating Robbie Lawler's journey, I'll go Robbie Lawler in that one. Yeah, I'll I'll go for uh, Robbie Lawler, but I don't know about the Iowa connection. T- tell me more. He, I don't know if he is originally from Iowa, but I think he was originally trained at uh, Pat Miletic's camp in the Quad Cities and was one of their first big fighters. So when UFC first got big in the late 90s, early 2000s, the Miletic camp was one of the main training grounds. Uh, something Pat Miletic, obviously. Um, I want to say Matt Hughes. Uh that's I'm blanking on all the names of the guys who came out of there, but they were one of the first big camps before like American Top Team and Jackson Winklejohn, Black Zillions, and all those guys came along. So Robbie Lawler's a guy who that's where he cut his teeth was the Quad Cities. All right, well then that that settles it for me. Robbie Lawler is going to win this <laughs> fight easily, easily. And if and again, another thing we don't have time to get into on this show, but if you want kind of an inspiring story, Lawler was a kind of a wonderkin and then life took some twists and turns and then came back and claimed the belt like 15 years into his career and still doing it 20 plus years later. Great. Uh, yeah, no, sounds like the kind of guy who is primed to win. Uh, trying to figure out what else we got going on. Wimbledon is happening. Have you watched a minute of it? Cause I haven't. Uh, no, is, uh, Novak Djokovic still in it? Not a clue. Let's see if ESPN yeah. has a quick answer. For- I, uh, yeah, I have no idea what's going on. I I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Wimbledon, see all. Yeah. Do not do not know who these people are. Okay. Are you, so, are you, so, someone's winning Wimbledon. Um, <laughs> it used to be way more independent. We don't know who. Uh, Andy yeah. Murray is playing, which is kind of, I think, all the people care about because England. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Murray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe he'll win. Uh, the number one player, I always say name wrong, Iga Swiatek. She's still playing, doing her thing. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Um, also NHL free agency, not a huge free agent class this year. I just want to give a couple of quick minutes here. Ryan O'Reilly going to the Predators. Hopefully to see them coming back. Uh, played with the Leafs last year. He's maybe the top name out there. The New York Rangers are going to be the best team in 2016 as they have signed Jonathan Quick and Blake Wheeler. Uh, Cam Talbot still floating around, going to the Kings. Uh, I'm trying to see some of – did Tyler Bertuzzi, I think, finally found a home? It was kind of Ryan O'Reilly, Tyler Bertuzzi, and um, Lincoln on the third one. That were the main guys. And then Patrick Kane, kind of a older at the tail end of his career, but still a big name that we're going to see moving around. Um, that's uh, I had these guys all in front of me, and then a whole bunch more deals got signed. and everything. Oh, Matt Duchesne was the other big name. Uh, Matt Duchesne going to the Stars. So watch out for the Stars. Uh, they've been a contender the last couple of years and getting better with Matt Duchesne. So I think those are your top three with Duchesne, O'Reilly, and Bertuzzi. All getting deals. So go hockey. That's right. That's what I say. Um, <laughs> Who's that kid the Blackhawks got again in the draft? I think it was. Uh, Bedard. Bedard, yeah. Okay, there we go. So basically the Blackhawks are going to be a dynasty now, right? That's what they're hoping for. Okay. 
We'll and I saw I saw pictures. So Connor Bedard's the kid's name from Canada, as, as you would expect, a great hockey player from Canada. But I saw a picture of him, and he just looks like such a little kid. It, I it, I hate that star athletes now were born. He was born in 2005, which is upsetting. But yes, he is supposedly as good, if not better, of a prospect as Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin and Connor McDavid and all these guys. So Bedard is like the Wemby of professional hockey i mean that's yeah basically the same hype level he is only uh he's just under 510 though so he does have that to overcome compared to when oh, okay well yeah maybe we should like have them switch sports <laughs> just let Wemby, just a 7-5 lanky guy go out and try and play some hockey bedard can go play some basketball at 510 it'll be great I'm trying to think who like the tallest hockey players I've ever seen are. The Dano Char is the one that comes to mind for me. See, I, I want to say he was six nine, according to the all knowing, forever accurate Wikipedia. Is a Dano Char was six nine two fifty, and that's the tallest. I'm sure there's been others, but he's the tallest hockey player I can think of. Do you know how like it's a sort of a you're at a bit of a disadvantage if you're under six feet in the NBA. Are you at a disadvantage if you're over six feet in the NHL? That's a really good question. I don't know. I would. Is it? I mean, you you think there'd be something like that where you'd want to be a little bit closer to the ground, put on, you know, put on somebody with Victor Wembanyama's long, lanky legs on skates. Right. I think you'd have to be built more like Zion. You could be big, but you have to be thick. There's a lot more hitting. I I just need to see the comedy of someone like Wemby on skates. (laughs) Skating with the stars, which is. I think like that's still a big deal in the UK. We only have like one season of it here, but in Britain they love it. Get Giannis and Wemby and Chet Holmgren. Nah, Chet I Holmgren. See, yeah, I want to see some NBA guys try to play a game of hockey. Chet Holmgren grew up in Minneapolis. He had to have played some hockey. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. We've gotten off on a nice little little <laughs> side bunny rabbit trail. Like I don't even know. Well, we've uh, we've done a good job really fleshing out some of these other things, our whole meat and potatoes topic I wanted to get to. But we'll finally get there with the NBA. We've got free agency. We've got player movement. We've got draft. So any direction you want to take the NBA, I figure we will save the Mr. Lillard conversation for the end. But in terms of other deals, I have the key notable ones, but we can talk about anybody or any team. Let's uh, revisit how we did, because I know you kept track of our mock draft and how we did. And, you know, we couldn't predict all the trades that inevitably went down. But how did we do as far as, like, selecting guys and spots? Did we – were we successful this year or – I know we got the three, right? We got – yeah, I feel like the top three was pretty easy to nail, though. Um... After that was kind of where it got a little bit murky – and some teams did some things that I, I just didn't understand, um, like Orlando. Um, I didn't really like Orlando's draft. Let's see, do I have the right thing here? I'm trying to look at some of the guys I remember you taking. Oh, got too many pages in front of me of wrong information. Uh, but let's see how much I can do from memory. So I think we had, did we have the top four correct? So Wemby first, Brandon Miller to the Hornets, and Scoot to the Blazers. Those three were easy. I thought I had Amen Thompson going to the Rockets. I think Osar Thompson to the Pistons at five was the first surprise pick. Yeah. 
Um, so I think we had a lot of the right guys just in different spaces. Anthony Black, I remember having at six or at eight. He went at six. Bilal Koulibaly went way higher. You were, you said that he was looking as a top 10 pick, and I think I got him at like 20 in hours. Yep. Um, we had Jarris Walker and Taylor Hendricks in our top 10. Kaysen Wallace, you were all over him. Jet Howard went a little higher than we thought. Uh, Derek Lively. So Derek Lively, Grady Dick. We're right in there. Jordan Hawkins is where we thought. Kobe Bufkin, I think you were high on. Yeah. Keontae, Keontae George is the one that you outright said. I took him at nine, and you're like, oh, the Jazz will get him at 16. And they did in a roundabout way from Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What's Orlando doing taking Jet Howard when they need a shooter and Grady Dick is right there? Um. Anthony Black, I like I like some of the things that he does, but they have Markel Fultz, and it feels like Anthony Black is like another Alfred Payton or Markel Fultz. At uh, it's not it didn't really fill a need. Like you you had these two lottery draft picks and cap space and I don't know, I feel like Orlando really bungled their offseason. That's why they've been Orlando for so long. Yep. Uh, so, we uh, again, getting them in the exact position is tough, but we had 25 of the players correct. So we missed on, or we did not have Brandon Podziemski. We talked about him, but we did not have him. He was our highest at 19. So we did not have him. We did not have Marcus Sasser, who I was ex- really excited to see go. We did not have Ben Shepard at 26. Uh, Julian Strother was another guy I thought would go in the second. We missed him at 29 and Kobe Brown at 30, uh, in their place. I believe we had, and these were mostly my picks. Uh, we had James Najee go in the first, he went in the second, Leonard Miller, Colby Jones, uh, Amari Bailey, and then Saidi Sissoko. So of, of the ones we missed, four of them were my guys and one was yours. So that tells you any that tells listeners what they need to know about which of us knows draft prospects more. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I know draft prospects more. I think I just have spent a lot of time with the mocks and listened to a lot of stuff. Um, so I think that's all that really says, but, uh, so you're, you're like, go ahead. Also, some of the ones that you missed on was a little bit surprising to me. Cause I do, I did feel like a guy that like Colby Jones should not have fallen as far as he did. Um, Sensabaugh, I think he went in the first round, but still fell a lot farther than I expected. And so there was a, a lot of guys that fell. Um, the big one, obviously, Whitmore. Whitmore falling was a surprise to literally everyone because I know that the Rockets were thinking about Whitmore at four and then ended up getting Whitmore at like 20 or 19. Um, so that was kind of the big surprise to me was the guys that ended up falling that I didn't really expect. Yeah. The, the Whitmore thing was puzzling. And again, I didn't understand what the hype was for him coming out of college. It's a little bit concerning to see him fall like that. Maybe the Rockets give him a place where he can sit and learn from Ime Udoka and they've got so many young guys. He doesn't need to just sit behind Jalen green for a couple of years. No rush to get him going, just learn and develop for a couple seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
That's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah, looking at the draft here, talking about some of those we didn't love. Uh, God, I trying to track all these trades where players actually end up makes it tough. Um, uh, were you in on Grady Dick's suit? He was either the best or worst dressed, depending on who you talk to. Um, it was unique. We'll just say that. I will say I do, I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of Jordan Hawkins. This whole process, him going to New Orleans seems like a great fit. From what we hear personality-wise from both, he is a carbon copy of C.J. McCollum from the intangible side of things. So that'll be great for them. And he's a fantastic shooter. Uh, Keontae George going to the Jazz, I like. Jalen Hood, Shafino, uh, going to be a shooter that they can put around LeBron in L.A. That kind of his one purpose is to catch and shoot for them. Uh. No, I, I think he'll actually do a little bit more than that. Uh, Jaime Jaquez Jr. to Miami. Is that just the most Miami Heat pick? That's a very Miami Heat pick. Yeah, that's an absolute great Miami Heat pick. Um, but I really like uh, the Case and Wallace pick. That actually ended up in OKC because OKC made a trade. Um Dallas got lively instead. OKC traded up and got Wallace. Um, I really like Wallace in that Thunder backcourt coming off that bench. He's going to kind of bring uh, more defense, which is is what they need. So they're going to have uh, guys that can guard on the perimeter with Lou Dort and Kaysen Wallace now, and Jalen Williams, who was good, really good on both ends. So. Mm-hmm. I like what OKC is building in their backcourt. It didn't seem like maybe they needed another guard with everybody that they have with SGA, Giddy, Jalen Williams, Lou Dort. But I feel like you can never have too many quality guards. And so OKC just added another one. I really like that case and Wallace pick. And on the other end of that trade, it was the Mavericks and the Thunder trading. The Mavs get Derek Lively, the second, the seven, one, 230 pound center from Duke. And props to whomever wrote this analysis. When whomever blows by Kyrie Irving is guarding, blows right by him. Now you have a shot blocker. It's just, no, oh, nice little dig at Kyrie's defense. But that's Derek Lively's whole thing is just be really tall and turn shots away. So you have a great rim protector for whatever the Mavericks are trying to build. And Luca and Kyrie, not renowned for their defense? Not really at all. Um, but also, like, Derek Lively is going to have a lot of expectations on his shoulders because the Mavs don't really have a center on their roster at this point in time outside of him. And like he's going to step right in and immediately be the starting five in Dallas. And say what we will about Kyrie, but the Mavericks, you've got Luca and Tim Hardaway who seem that they've kind of developed a kinship there. And all the years they played together, they add Grant Williams and Seth Curry but then you've got Omax Prosper and Derek Lively. So those could be two guys who may get plenty of opportunities with this team. If they can work alongside Luca and Kyrie, that could be one of the better one-two punches out of this draft. Maybe, but uh, I mean, I like those guys, uh, but it's also a lot of pressure to go into that situation and immediately have to contribute as a rookie. Uh, it'd be better for both of those guys, I think, if there was someone there that they could like learn from. But that's not the situation in Dallas, given the contract situation of both Luca and Kyrie. It's 
it's going to be a tough environment. So I'm not down on them, those guys as prospects. I just think it's going to be a very tough task for guys, uh, those two guys. And Brandon. I, I did like the OMAX move um, for both Dallas and Sacramento because it is the move that landed them in a spot to go ahead and pick up Colby Jones, who I thought should have gone way higher. Yeah. And that was, we talked about that during the draft. That was one that you called of, it's easy to pick the guys at the top of the board, but when you can nail a mock draft pick in the twenties, 24 Omax prosper by the Kings. Yes. It flips to Dallas, but still that's a, it's a hard one to nail. Yeah. Um, obviously I'm going to like the Chris Murray pick. He's going to be a contributor on the on the Blazers, which we can talk about the Blazers more. I, I'm not going to get into all the Dame stuff and all the Blazers stuff right now. We can save that for later. But I think Chris Murray, solid player, as long as he remains in Portland, really anywhere he goes, he'll be fine. And I, a lot of the uh, guys I like, Marcus Sasser, um, going to Detroit, we can talk about Detroit a little bit more as well if we want to wait till free agency. I said this this year, and it burned me because they were horrendous, but I think there's so much potential with this Piston team. I know you despise him, but I love Jaden Ivey, and they get Marcus Sasser, and they have Monte Morris. They add one of the Thompson twins. They've got a Bogdanovich for however long. I'm a huge Jalen Duran fan in the middle. I wish maybe the four was a little bit better if they can find a solution there, but Duran, Ivy, Monte Morris, Marcus Sasser, one of the Thompson twins. I really like what the Pistons are putting together. If Cade Cunningham is the real deal and they figure out what's going on at the four, I think they've made a nice couple of drafts in a row here. They've improved their team. And, and let's be clear. I don't hate Jaden Ivy. <laughs> I'm just not high on him. Like uh, a lot of others seem to be. I sort of see him for what he is, which is very, Westbrookian, but maybe not on the same level that Westbrook got to in his career. Uh, that's that's kind of how I see him as a poorer version of of Russell Westbrook. Did you see the? Were you watching ESPN or ABC? As somebody who does not have satellite or cable or any of that, I just have what's on regular TV. And instead of showing the draft, ABC showed everybody's warm and fuzzy family home stories. Did you see the one with the Thompson twins? Uh, I'm sure I did. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great to do all these human interest stories, but that's what it was on ESPN the whole night. Okay. At a certain point, I just tuned it out. Yeah. I was like, can I just see draft picks and analysis from smart basketball people instead of their warm and fuzzy home movies? Yeah. I just wanted to see Jay Billis and JJ Reddick talk about basketball. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, point being the the father of the Thompson twins, I did not feel like came off all that particularly well. It was kind of a Marinovich project type where these kids were born and trained and grew up in a lab to be great basketball players. And it's like, no, they were out drilling and doing sprints at 10 years old. And like, OK, let, 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 let's let kids be kids. But I'll get on that soapbox another day. Yeah, but you know who did come off well? Scoot Henderson. Yeah, his family seems fun. Um, but also serious, also serious. Um, I think there's a world where Scoot Henderson ends up being the best player in this draft. I think I said that in our mock draft episode, I'll say it again, but I think there's a world 
where we look back and we see that Scoot Henderson was actually the best player from this draft. Oh, and I, I'm all for that. He's, he, he, and I like, just like you, I said this two weeks ago, he really grew on me. The more I watched and listened and researched and saw what people are saying about the draft picks, the more he really grew on me and his family seemed really fun. And his, his story and his personality from the actual basketball player side, it feels like people are saying this to take the shine off of him. They're saying, Oh, well, he's a Derek Rose. He's a John Morant. He's a Russell Westbrook. He's a hyper athletic guard, but he's going to get injured, not be great. And I, I don't see him quite like that. I don't, I don't see the point trying to tear him down by saying he's like those guys. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a big Scoot Henderson fan. The reason why people are saying, uh, he's like those guys is because his jump shot is maybe not the most NBA ready, but it's, it's something that's definitely fixable. And so I think. That's why people are saying that because they just see the athleticism and his highlights and it reminds them of those guys. Uh, But I think he's not that any of those guys weren't willing to work on it, but I think he's going to be one of those guys that's just very serious about his job as an NBA basketball player. And so Scoot Henderson, I mean, if, if Dame's no longer around, Blazers are in very good hands with Scoot, I think. I'm looking a little bit further down to the second round, guys. Maybe a bit of a shocking pick here, but a guy that you called out, Jalen Pickett, who we were not a first rounder, but keep an eye on him. He went 32nd and he gets to go play for the defending champions. So good find for the Nuggets if Pickett turns out to be this fantastic combo guard. Uh, yeah, um, couldn't have picked a better landing spot for Jalen Pickett. I... I did not expect him to go that high, but yeah, this is, he landed on the exact right team for him to find NBA success because there will, will not be very much pressure on him to play immediately. And he will probably make the roster and play in some regular season games, but he won't be like a major contributor, at least not right away. But by the end of the season, it could be like a Christian Brown type of thing with him where like by the end of the season, he becomes a more regular part of the rotation and we even see him in the playoffs would not be surprised by that at all. He seems like a guy that could turn into a guy that could run a second unit. I could absolutely see him turn into someone that sort of runs the second unit, maybe not a starter, but just a valuable bench rotation guy on a playoff team. And Looking down here, this is, again, where you see more of the guys who are great college careers, but maybe long shots for the NBA. Guy that I really like, Trace Jackson Davis, fell all the way to the 57th out of 58 picks. Unfortunately, he has to go to the Wizards, but that should mean plenty of opportunities. Isaiah Wong fell towards the bottom, ends up with the Pacers. Uh, Jalen Clark out of UCLA going to the Timberwolves. Uh, Jalen Wilson from Kansas goes to the Nets. Keontae Johnson goes to the Thunder. Um, Amani Bates ends up with the Cavaliers. So a lot of good names here at the bottom. I don't know if there's anybody else in the second that stands out for you. The wonderfully named Mojave King. Another one, Gigi Jackson, Saidi Sissoko, Ryan Rupert. Yeah, there's there's some guys. I think um, another guy maybe that you didn't mention, Andre Jackson ending up in Milwaukee. Could see Andre Jackson making... Uh, little bit of a name for himself. It's kind of like the Jalen Pickett scenario uh, that I just outlined. Um, 
where he might have a chance to play because a contender like Milwaukee doesn't really have a lot of free agency money to spend. So they be more willing to give a young guy a chance. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, I wasn't as high on him as you are. I don't think he'll really end up sticking. We'll kind of remember him as a great college player, but I don't really see TJD sticking long-term. So uh, same with Bates. Uh, Cleveland drafted him and then immediately went out and got a bunch of small forwards in free agency. So I, I don't really see a path for anyone else. I see I see Pickett and Andre, Colby Jones and Andre Jackson as my three guys from the second round that I think will have long-term staying power. Also, is this any type of indictment for the G League that sure you had Scoot, and the Thompson twins. But all these other guys who were maybe thought to be fantastic fell to the second, or is just like, Hey, you got to the NBA. That's what matters. Or would these guys have been better off going to the NCAA and developing a little bit more as like Leonard Miller, Saidi Sissoko. uh, Who's the other one? Uh, Mojave King, all these guys who I wonder if they went to the G league expecting to be top 10 picks or, Hey, it doesn't matter where you picked it. Where picked in, where you're picked, you made it to the NBA. Yeah, I'm not real sure. I think it's a little too early to make that sort of a claim. Um, especially when you had three of the top five picks, uh, be, you know, uh, overtime elite or, you know, G League, G League Ignite. So, I uh. I think it's a little too early to make that kind of a claim about G League versus college. Well, we'll keep here on the NBA and looking at the veterans who signed deals, uh, guys who have signed some of the top names, Kyrie. And this is what I feel like we haven't really had that much of an exciting offseason. Sure, we have the draft and there's the Damian Lillard drama that we'll get to. But looking at player movement, Kyrie stays with the Mavs. Chris Middleton stays with the Bucks. Draymond stays with the Warriors. Kyle Kuzma stays with the Wizards for some reason. Jeremy Grant fleeces the Blazers. Uh, like Jakob Pertl going to the Raptors. The Karis LeVert with the Cavs. These are the bigger names. Biggest movement, Fred VanVleet to the Rockets. Bruce Brown to the Pacers. I'm trying to think who's like the... Where's the real sizzle and excitement on this NBA offseason? Nah, there wasn't, the, there wasn't a whole lot of excitement or sizzle at least not to this point. I mean, there's still potentially maybe a hardened trade. Um, there's maybe um, a Dame trade coming. Uh, but the Kyrie thing, I think Bill Simmons pointed this out, like who was bidding that much on Kyrie <laughs> that that Dallas had to give him three years, 126? I I don't think so. Like, I think Kyrie and his team, the people around him, his agent, whatever, right, put out all these rumors about him talking to Phoenix or the Lakers or what a picker team other than Dallas um, about him going going there at free agency to kind of fleece Dallas into this deal. I, I didn't really, I didn't really like it, but like you have to because you traded so much for him, like you have to bring him back. But 
Not maybe not sizzle. Just a lot of deals that I just didn't understand this off season. Um, the Kyrie one being the big one, and Jeremy the Jeremy Grant one being the second biggest one uh, as well. I didn't. I did not like that number. I like Jeremy Grant the player. I don't like Jeremy Grant the contract. Uh, far be it for me to ever be Smirch an Iowa State alum, but Tyrese Halliburton's got some good agents working for him. He's a top twenty. Uh, when his contract goes up, he'll be a top twenty paid player in the NBA. He's going to go from five point eight million to thirty five point seven million. So. Yeah, Pacers must um, be believing he's their future. Yeah, I'm I'm more fine with that, and I'm less fine with the same number for Lamelo Ball. Yeah, what has Lamelo Ball ever done? <laughs> and, and I mean, Halliburton's never made the playoffs either. But you could at least see that a team with Halliburton as their main guy could somehow make the playoffs. I could at least see that scenario happening. Um. But with LaMelo as your lead guy and you're locked into like the Hayward contract, the Miles Bridges contract, the PJ Washington contract, like Charlotte's fully locked themselves into like LaMelo ball and building a team around him. And the Pacers have done the same with Halliburton. Uh, Like that pretty much determines that he's going to be their top paid guy for the next five years. Um, so the Pacers and the Hornets have like locked in for the next five years with those two guys. And their only way out of it is to trade those two guys, which I don't see the Pacers trading Halliburton, but I don't view LaMelo as a winning player at all. Um, so I was really confused by the, like, why, why did they have to give LaMelo this extension at this point in time? Well, and then the Hornets wonder why they're the Hornets. Exactly. This is it. But like with the Pacers and the Hornets, they're not an attractive free agent destination. That's true. It's not like the top tier uh, guys are going to want to come play in Charlotte or Indiana. Um, so, you know, like you have to keep your star talent, but I don't love doing it at that number specifically for Lomelo. Mostly, but like you said, Hal Burton's got some good agents, went on and got his money, whatever. Um, oh. Yeah. Get that bag, as the kids say. That is exactly what the kids say. Um, <laughs> um, no, and I'm not going to go team by team here, but I'm just scrolling through alphabetically. The My favorite site, Hoops Hype, has some projected depth charts. Uh, so just a couple of quick questions for you. Any surprise that the Hawks didn't burn it down a little bit more other than getting rid of John Collins? I am. I am surprised at, at that. And actually, just before we hopped on, they actually just finalized an extension with Deontay Murray. So they're locking into that Trey Young, Deontay Murray even further. Um, that's not to say, like, I think there could be some deadline stuff that goes down that goes on. Um, but like we said, I, I was a little bit shocked that there wasn't more of a blow it up with a couple teams that we talked about before free agency even started. Um, we talked about multiple teams blowing it up and then it didn't really materialize. 
The Nets seem to be set on Ben Simmons, Spencer Dimwitty, and Mikhail Bridges as a core, which is a strange collection of names to see together. They paid a lot for Cam Johnson. Some interesting young guys in Dreek Whitehead, Noah Clowney. It uh, just feels like the Nets are pretty happy going for about that eight or nine seed. We can go ahead and write Ben Simmons off. It's The core for the Nets is actually Bridges, Johnson, and Dinwiddie, maybe to a lesser extent. Uh, Nick Claxton as well. But uh, Bridges is a legitimate guy. Um, I think we found that out. I don't think he can be your number one guy on a championship team, but could he be like a number two or probably better served as a number three guy on a championship squad. But I think he could maybe play a number two. Like he, he's got a lot of that Chris Middleton type of value. I think from Mikhail Bridges and I see uh, similar things for Cam Johnson. So I'm okay. I'm okay with what the Nets did with extending Cam Johnson and keeping Bridges and running that back. I think they'll have to add to it, but I'm okay with it. The Cavaliers mostly standing firm, adding a few guys. I routinely profess my love for this Cavaliers Cavaliers team. Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen is your big four. Isaac Okoro can still develop into something. And then you, I mean, their second tier Great role players in great spots. Ricky Rubio, add Max Struess and George Niang, and then lock in Karis LeVert. I'm, I'm telling you, that Cavaliers team may be the one seed coming out of the East this year. Uh, you're way too high on this Cavaliers team now. Uh, I'll ride with it again. Almost worked out this year. Uh, it, it did not. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I, I just I don't understand spending all that money on. Like they traded for Struess and then immediately extended him for four years, like 63 mil and four years, 63 mil for Karis LeVert. And again, I'm wondering what, what teams were they competing with on the open market to pay those guys or even George Niang three years for 26. What team were they competing with to sign those guys at those amounts? Like I, I don't understand. Um, and you still you still haven't fixed maybe some of the issues that kind of came up in the playoffs last year. Um, yeah, they're, the future of that team is Mobley becoming a center and becoming their starting five man. Um, because what happened last year was teams just figured out that you don't have to guard Allen and Mobley outside of the lane, and you really don't have to guard Okoro outside of the lane um, either. So the only two guys running around most of the time that you have to guard are Mitchell and Garland. And now they have Struess and Niang who can shoot and Levert, whatever. But um, I don't, I don't think it's completely solves their issues. So. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not down on the Cavs, but I don't think they're going to be much different next year than where they were this past season. The Houston Rockets are one of the teams that I think are more of the head scratchers. So if if the players live up to their hype, add Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore to this team that is so young and so hyped with Jalen Green and Jabari Smith, presumably the one-two punch, Sangoon at center, Tari Eason, Jay Sean Tate. So a lot of young guys on this team. 
that in three or four years, we may be talking about them being great, but then they paid an arm and a leg to get Fred Van Vliet. And if you would like to talk about Dylan Brooks being mixed in here for whatever reason, it just seems like a weird, like, yes, they paid him $40 million. So I get you'll go. Who's ever going to pay you $40 million. But if you're Fred Van Vliet, do you want to go play your prime in a team that's going to be at the bottom of the West for three more years? Or are we predicting huge leaps forward for Jalen Green and or Jabari Smith this year? I'm not predicting huge leaps forward for those guys. Uh, but I do think that bringing in Udoka and bringing in Vin Vliet, I don't like the Dylan Brooks edition. I, I don't understand that. That was another bad deal. Why are we paying this guy money? Um, but whatever. Um at least with Van Vliet there, you now have an adult in the room and he's a good player and he's going to be able to provide some mentorship to those guys that you mentioned, like a Jalen Green, like an Amen Thompson, like a Jabari Smith, uh, and Yudoka will as well. Yudoka um, is, is definitely a, a no-nonsense coach and that's part of what galvanized that Celtics team and brought them to finals and on the precipice of a championship. Yudoka was a big part of the reason for that. Um, I think it's better to do what they did with Van Vliet than to trade assets for Harden. Uh, Cause it would have been a way different makeup probably would have had to part with, you know, some nice young assets for James Harden who isn't really known for providing leadership. Uh, so I I think the Rockets will be more competitive. They won't be a tanking team next year. I, I'm not going to go out here and say they're going to be a playoff team, but they're going to be fighting for that playoff spot. And they're um, motivated to do so because they don't have their first-round pick, I believe, for the next two years. And speaking of teams that don't have draft picks, the Los Angeles Lakers, not a lot of movement out of them other than keeping guys they already had and not a lot of money to go around, not a lot of draft picks. Everything is tied up in LeBron and AD. They did bring in Gabe Vincent, uh, Jalen hood Shafino. They got your boy Luca Garza as their third string center. It feels like the Lakers were kind of standing pat, not a lot of money, not a lot of movement for them. It's kind of a quiet, weirdly quiet offseason for the Lakers. Um couple guys you didn't mention, though. Torian Prince, who I actually kind of like. Uh, and Jackson Hayes, who I, who I don't really like. But I like the Gabe Vincent move. I think that that's perfect um, for a LeBron team. Like, he, he can play off the ball and shoot. He can play on the ball. Basically, you replace Dennis Schroeder with Gabe Vincent, and I think that's an upgrade. I think that's a pretty nice upgrade. And then they kept Austin Reeves. Uh, that's another thing that I didn't understand about, like, why wasn't a team like San Antonio throwing four years, $98 million at Austin Reeves just to make the Lakers have to match? Instead, they got to keep Austin Reeves, who I think is a good player, at four years, 52 um, and they handed out a contract to Hachimura, D'Angelo, but really, like the Lakers were the second best team in the West, and 
maybe arguably the second best team in the NBA at the end of last season. And they added Vincent and Torian Prince, who I think are good pieces, and Hochefino, who I think could have a role, maybe. I don't know. I think I really like the Lakers offseason, to be honest. Yeah, not bad. Just kind of quiet. You always think the Lakers are going to be in there in a splash. I thought they'd be more in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes than they are. Uh, but no, they're they're quiet. And they have a boatload of money coming available next year. Like, if you look at next year's projected payrolls, they're towards the bottom. They have all kinds of cap space for this year and next year. No draft picks. But they, they could be in the line to get somebody here next year huge. Um, Simmons pointed this out, but, uh, the contracts for D'Angelo and Hachimura match up very well with one Kyrie Irving. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm just telling you that the contracts match up. Well, sorry, Lakers fans. You had a good time while it lasted. Yeah, it, that's how it is with Kyrie, right? You had a great time while it lasted. Uh, we'll come back to the Miami Heat for reasons. I'm um, trying to scroll down here. OKC, you talked about. Josh Giddy, SGA. They had Kaysom Walls to that. Team that's kind of quiet, standing pat. I wasn't sure how active they'd be, but they seem to be content with their young little core. Yeah, I th- I thought maybe they could have been uh, an aggressor in free agency and gone after gone after people but uh they didn't really they didn't really do any any of that um this the 76ers and again this loosely ties into the trailblazer situation but they're considered one of the suitors for dame i what are they going to give up they have nothing they're they don't really have any depth right now you've got Embiid, but if we assume you'd have to give up tyrese maxi james harden tobias harris some some combination of that to get a player of lowered status I look at the Sixers and I can't quite figure out what they're trying to do here because they seem just so shallow right now in their overall depth. And you look at a lot of the teams around them who are improving, adding pieces, adding role players, and they're kind of letting guys go without backfilling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand what the Sixers are doing. And most of these teams in the Dame sweepstakes supposedly – they don't really have the assets that the Blazers um, need in Dame trade. So it's, it's very, very interesting right now. Uh, the beam team, DeMontis got paid. Otherwise your beloved King seemed like they pretty well stayed pat. more happy with what they had. Um, they, yeah, they brought back Barnes, um, but they sneakily traded for Chris Duarte, who I really liked as a rookie had some injury problems last year, but as a rookie in Indiana, was pretty good. And then they brought over uh, EuroLeague MVP Sasha Vezenkov, who they held the rights to, but they convinced him to come on over and play for the Kings. And he he can play backup three slash four. Um, and so he's going to be a part of that rotation next year. Brought back Trey Lyles and drafted Colby Jones. So it wasn't flashy, but it was nice and consistent, and they added some guys in the backcourt where they felt like they maybe didn't have quite the depth that they wanted. Um, 
So now you can bring uh, like Malik Monk and, and Duarte off the bench rather than um, Terrence Davis, right? You you don't have to play a whole bunch of Terrence Davis off the bench. So it's nice. I still wish they would have gotten a backup center, but other than that, I think it was pretty quality offseason in Sacramento. The Spurs thought they may try to do a little bit more to build around Wembenyama, but I don't really see a lot of major moves for them. I do like Jeremy Sohan as a nice compliment, and those two could be a one-two punch in the future. Kelton Johnson got paid. Otherwise, San Antonio seems to have largely stayed pat. There's talk of them maybe being a third or fourth team in this whatever mastermind Damian Lillard trade is happening. Spurs, yes, Popovich is kind of traditionally quiet in free agency, but with Wembenyama on the team, thought they may go a little bit deeper into free agency and try to make some splashy moves. Um, no, I, I don't think uh, this year's free agency class is especially inspiring. So I'm okay with standing pat and kind of deferring a lot of that to you next year and the year after. Um, There's no then, reason to go hunting titles right now when you don't really. Yeah. Uh, and then Utah just kind of stashing talent as they do and trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do, adding John Collins there. Uh, and then the Wizards are going to be really, really terrible. But at least Jordan Poole got paid, Kuzma got paid, and the Wizards will have the best odds in the lottery next year. Yeah, absolutely. Except they're dumb because they should have done that this past year. <laughs> the Wizards should have been playing the Wemby sweepstakes. What were they doing, you know, not trading Beal before last season, you know, moving off of everything, but Hey, they right. loaded up Boston to make Boston more of a contender by just gift gift wrapping them Porzingis for next to nothing. <laughs> and that's okay. why they're the Wizards. Yep, exactly. We see why these teams that are bad are always bad. It's the decisions that they make in terms of contracts and trades and the timing. It's All horrible. Right. All right. We saved it for the end. Let's get into it. Portland Trailblazers, Damian Lillard, Miami Heat, we didn't get into because they are considered the suitor. Uh, as somebody who resides in the Pacific Northwest, I have been inundated with this for years, and now the national media is now catching up to it. So for the rest of you in the other 49 states, what's the uh, scuttle but on Damian Lillard? I mean, there's all kinds of rumors out there, but my perspective here is – why does Portland need to accept Miami's poo-poo platter of <laughs> Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, a 2028 first and a 2030 first round pick swap? Like, like I, I get that they should have some respect for Dame if he really wants out um, and trade him to somewhere. Like, they shouldn't just trade him to, like, hey, Dame – you're headed to Utah, and we're taking back Markinen, Kessler, and a bunch of first-round picks. You know, have fun. Um, <laughs> they shouldn't they shouldn't pull that or trade him to Brooklyn for Bridges, Johnson, and first-round picks, and and again, just say have fun. Um, but they should they should do what's in their best interest. Uh, I firmly believe that. They should try and seek out a deal that's in their best interest. And 
also satisfying to Dame, and I think that's just really hard to do. I think it would almost work better if they can talk Dame into come back, play this season with us. We'll look for trades for you after this season. Come back and see how it works out. The Scoot Kid's pretty good. We got Jeremy Grant back for you. Nurkic will be back. Simons, Sharp will develop, right? We've got a little bit of something brewing here. Chris Murray, solid role player coming in. Like, we've got a little bit of something brewing here. Come on back. Run it back one more time and see where we go. But I don't know. That's just that's just my perspective on the situation as an outsider. And I've... I thought they should have got rid of him last year. They had the new GM come in. I would have just said, hey, we're taking this year off. Trade him, send him to a contender. Imagine this year's Miami team with Lillard added to all that. They kept him around for another year, and he had a fantastic year statistically. Battled with some injuries, though. And it seems like from the local perspective and then hearing more international people chime in on it, People, for the most part, respect Dame. He does things the right way. He's one of the best you know, guys in the community. You don't hear about him being a knucklehead. He doesn't do anything stupid. And I think most people are respecting him. You're going to get the few blowhards who say, oh, he's just ring chasing and he's quitting on the team. He's not. They had 12 years to build a team around him, and he had to sit there and watch the Warriors pass him by, watch the Nuggets pass him by, watch the Suns make efforts, watch the Lakers and Clippers and all these other teams, and the Blazers never did it. And I think the Nuggets have proved that you don't need to just be a free agency destination. Yes, they went out and got guys like Aaron Gordon, but they also mostly built through the draft, and the Blazers couldn't do that the way somebody like the Heat have done. So I think Damian is entirely within his right after everything he gave to this team in this city and this state and this region and the league, he's one of the 10 best players, probably the best shooter, not named Steph Curry. So I'm all for him going out, getting his money, go play with the guys you want to play with and get, get the uh, pursue the championship. So that's why I think the heat makes sense. The heat and the Sixers are the two that I hear the most, but again, the Sixers would have to give away everybody. There's no way the Blazers want James Harden, but if they got Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and somebody else and a bunch of draft picks, I do think we'll end up being Miami. Every time we hear these superstars say they want to go somewhere, they typically get their way and go there. So I do think he ends up in Miami, but like you say, the Heat are going to have to give up a lot more than they probably want to. And like the Rudy Gobert deal last year, I think through a lot of this out of whack, it was what, two starters and like four first round draft picks. So I feel like Portland's yeah. going to be looking at, well, Dame Lillard is twice the player Rudy Gobert is. We need at least that. Yeah. Time to cough up Bam. You want Damian Lillard? Okay, we'll take Bam. Oh, no, there's there's no way that's happening. Exactly. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Bam, Butler, and Dame, and then fill it in with a bunch of veteran minimums. Yeah, well, uh, Portland should stand their ground. Uh, there's There's no need. Dame's under contract, and he can he can either you know play or sit out. I, so here's here's my crystal ball. I think it's going to happen. Hero, Robinson, that Nikola Jovich guy, and let's for fun let's send Kevin Love back home to Oregon, and at least four first round picks, maybe some seconds and some pick swaps mixed in there. Mixed in there. Miami is in their title window. Jimmy Butler doesn't have a lot of time left. Kyle Lowry's old. 
Bam's got some more time, but Butler and Lillard together, those guys are reaching the end of their t- championship window. So I think the Heat go all in. They're dragging out. They're finding the right deal. What I think is who's going to be the third or fourth team that would get in on this because maybe Portland wants more than Miami has, especially a big. We know they want a star big. They are so loaded in the backcourt with these young guys. There's a team, you can tell me if this is crazy or not. There's not a lot of star bigs. Portland reportedly wants a star. I think it'll be a big. Get the Timberwolves to throw in Carl Anthony Towns to make this work. Portland gets Towns, Hero, Robinson, and draft picks. You give up Dame. You send Nurkic maybe to Minnesota to make it a little bit more even. Nasir Little, maybe. Because I, I think the future for Portland is Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson. And they just paid some money for Matisse Tybel and Jeremy Grant. I think Nurkic goes. I think Dame goes. And then if you have to, you can give up Nasir Little or Anthony Simons. See, I think you, you Miami, give me back Caleb Martin. And we don't need this third team. You give me, you know, Hero, Martin, Robinson, and three first-round picks, I'm straight. But the thing is that Miami doesn't want to throw Martin into the deal. So like you said, there could be a third team to facilitate, and it could be something funky like sending uh, Nurkic to Minnesota and getting Towns back that kind of a deal and ending up with hero and towns, yeah. which is not bad, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if you really need hero because then you've got, you know, scoot hero, Simons, shade and sharp. I think you probably have to move off of Simons then too, and let a uh, shade and sharp do his thing. So you're a, as a basketball fan, I'm more just, Living in the Pacific Northwest, I hear a lot more just local talk, but you as a non-biased basketball fan, Shaden Sharp, Scoot, and Anthony Simons, if you were running the franchise, which of those two do you want as your starting backcourt? Which one are you willing to give up? I'm I'm willing to go Scoot and Sharp. I'll, I'll just take the youth, the potential of what Sharp could be. I think we've seen plenty from Simons, and he's had some great games. Uh, but I think we see that he's a little more what he is, but I think there's a little bit more two-way potential with Sharp than there is with Simons. And uh, Scoot obviously just spent the number three pick on him. You know how I feel about him. think he might be the best player in a draft with Wembenyama. I Give me Scoot and Sharp as the backcourt. And then, obviously, if you're trading Lillard, you're getting Hero back. I think... I think, uh, you know, Scoot, Hero, Sharp, backcourt is is a pretty nice start. Yeah. And uh, and that, that's why I think uh, Minnesota could work. Like, like if you if you were to give Minnesota Simons to run next to Anthony Edwards, I think that could work. Yeah, Mike Conley is the guy right there who's basically just a Rudy Gobert whisperer. Yeah, I think Simons could work well in Minnesota. Yeah, I think that'd be just fine. Uh so if I if I gave you ten dollars today to go to the casino and bet Damian Lillard next year will be playing fill in the blank. 
I I still think I'm going. He's coming back to Portland. Interesting. I, I don't know how it happens, but I think I would go. He'll be playing for the Blazers. And I get that you'd be unloading contracts as well, but the money you would owe Dame. So Dame is going to be. He's the seventh highest salary right now. So he's yeah he's a top ten salary as of right now for the rest of his contract duration. And Miami is the second highest cap or you know second highest payroll right now. So you'd have to work out that money as well. Um, couple other random flyers. I've heard the Milwaukee Bucks, which I do think Portland would want him out of the West. So going to the East, whether it's the the Nets, the Knicks, the Heat, but the Bucks. I've heard somebody try to argue give up. Drew Holiday, Jay Crowder, Bobby Portis, and some picks. Like, uh, no. I I would love to see Dame with the Bucks, but Drew Holiday and Bobby Portis and some picks are not bringing Damian Lillard. I think uh, Bucks fans would also say no because they love Bobby Portis and Drew Holiday. I don't know. I yeah, that's also a light deal, but yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Again, the contenders don't have the assets to make a Lillard trade happen, which is part of the issue here. Yeah, and I, I don't think that the Blazers organization would do that to Dame. And I can say, hey, we get five guys and three first-round picks to send you to the Wizards. I don't think the Blazers franchise is going to do that to him. No, they're not, but they also are not going to uh... – they're not going to just take a 50 cent on the dollar deal to send him to a, con- a contender either. Right. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't. The Ra- and then maybe Dame doesn't want to go here. I thought the Raptors would maybe be a little bit more involved in this, but that may not fit well with the build around young Scotty Barnes plan. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that uh, Toronto plan that's going on. Well, I'm I'm convinced Dame is going to end up in Miami somehow, some way. You've got him staying in Portland for at least one more year. We'll uh, keep an eye on that one. Go put our respective bets the casino. Yes, absolutely. We've already gone nice and long on this week's show. Anything else we need to get to NBA free agency related or sports in general? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. Nice. Well, hang on. Yes. One last curveball for you what about a dame lillard for jalen brown trade that was the one i thought like two months ago if you had asked me that question i was like this is brilliant get jalen brown is disgruntled send him out send damian lillard and boston with he and jason tatum they can play no defense together but that that one seems like boston kind of got their stuff figured out getting porzingis and getting rid of the williamses so if if Danny Ainge was still there, maybe I could see a wild hair being thrown in. And at the 11th hour, we hear this strange Lillard, Jalen Brown trade done. Um, no, two two months ago, I thought that was a brilliant idea until I was talked back from the ledge that the, they're not going to break up Tatum and Brown. I'd love to see it, though. I mean, a lot of things get said, but do they happen? Right? So, True. like... They can say they're not going to break up Tatum and Brown until, you know, they go, hmm, if we get Lillard, maybe we can win a championship next year. 
and maybe that's worth it. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be a saga that I think unfolds for another couple weeks or so, at least. Yeah, and I do, I do wonder what that would look like if you got rid of Jalen Brown. If you go, if you go Porzingis, Tatum, and Lillard as your big three, Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White is that your starting five? Horford, that... you got oh. Horford. Um, I guess they did just. Uh ship off Grant Williams as well. Yeah. I mean I I'm I'm nervous about the non existent defense other than Malcolm Brogdon, but Tatum and Lillard together just be who's gonna score forty tonight. Be really be fun basketball. You'd have a hard time stopping them. And then you'd get Boston offense versus Miami and Milwaukee defense. That's why I also feel the same about like a Lillard for Towns straight up with the Wolves. Like a Lillard for not straight up, but like Lillard for Towns deal. <laughs> Put Lillard with Anthony Edwards, and I mean, you're if you're an opponent looking at that, you're going. That's a tough game, right. Lillard and Anthony Edwards versus what we've got. That's a tough game, right? But I don't know what Minnesota has left after they gave up all of everything for Gobert. <laughs> I was going to have that lined up before this week's show. I didn't have time to get to it like everybody's future draft picks, and Minnesota has none. They're all with Utah and Houston right. and Oak City. Right. So I, I don't know. It's like, like you said, he maybe he does end up in Miami, but it probably has to be a three team deal because Miami on their own doesn't have enough to satisfy Portland. Well. It will be the talking point of the NBA offseason here, at least for the next month or so until football dominates our life. But keep an eye on Portland and the as the Dame Lillard turns. Yep, there we go. Well, that'll do it for this week's show. We thank you all for joining us and got to jam in a lot of topics here. Happy Fourth of July week, everybody. We will be back next week, still mapping out the show. As we get into August, we're going to do a lot of football preview episodes, but July still kind of wide open, so we can go any number of directions here for the next couple of weeks. We thank you all for joining us here on the Sports Gospel. We will see you next time. <laughs>